0: Welcome back to this week's Thursday episode of the Fraudology Podcast, where we dive into the science and study of online fraud from the perspective of an e commerce fraud fighter. I'm Carise Hendrick. Well, if you listened to Tuesday's episode on either Tuesday or Wednesday, you may have been anxiously anticipating today's episode. I don't always like to cut episodes into two parts, however, I also know that sometimes when people see an hour and a half long podcast, oh my gosh. So we just decided to split it up, but give it to you on the same week so you don't have to wait over two weeks. And if you didn't listen to Tuesday's episode, I really recommend that you do this second half of today's episode will make a lot more sense if you do. We really talked about a new type of account takeover or a spinoff of account takeover that has different intentions and different attributes to it that make it so that you need to be able to detect and prevent it in a different way than standard account takeover. And on today's episode, Shoshana and I will talk about why this is happening so rampantly. Like, why it's being not being detected by many fraud systems, which, you know, that's the fraudster's point, how online companies ranging from e-commerce to large financial institutions can identify if they currently have an account handover problem, and how some merchants and banks are working to detect these situations, as well as to educate their consumers on what could happen if they sell their account to someone else. Probably not surprising. We took a few tangents on this conversation, but I think you guys will approve of them. I remember one of them for sure. I mean, because I don't write down the tangents on my outline. Maybe I need to, but we did talk about you know, how challenging it is for fraud fighters to educate and explain to their company, especially marketing and communications, why it is so important to educate their consumers. And I would say now more than ever, because bad actors are are utilizing victims and unassuming or maybe just eh, consumers who may not be using a stolen payment device or stolen account, but they still are in that gray area. They're really utilizing them to circumvent the traditional fraud systems. So keeping us on our toes, we also talked a little bit about why we are seeing so many different spinoffs of first party fraud, often not even involving a stolen credit card and why that is as well as what we need to be doing about it. And quickly, because it's scaling very quickly. So in addition to all those points about account handovers, you'll get to hear us talk about some of those as well. And it's great to get the perspective from someone who's been on the marketing side for so long on how to communicate to marketing teams and what they care about, how they frame things, how they think about things. I think that that part will be really helpful to everyone as well. So with that, I'm going to let you listen in on part two of my conversation with my dear friend Shoshana Maroney.
1: I feel like when I started working in the prevention industry, which is eight years ago now, it maybe it was me, but it felt like there were much clearer lines between the criminal actors and the victims and the people who are fighting. <laughs> and I feel like the, the gray zone is just spreading like
0: crazy now. I've, yeah, I've talked about that a lot. I don't know if it's on the podcast or just in general conversations, but and I think there are various contributors to that, you know, I mean, just kind of quickly and high level, like COVID, there were just so many bad actors that cut their teeth on COVID relief fraud and learned identity theft. Mm -hmm. And there's also this generational thing or Gen Zers, keep saying Gen X because that's, you know, (laughs) what I'm in. But Gen Zers where they all want something for nothing. And this is especially in the US. I mean, I'll claim it, but it's we're seeing it in the UK and in other parts of the world Mm -hmm. as well. Where they grew up gaming, right? They grew up on online games and trying to find that magic scepter or whatever for five hours. Okay, that's fulfilling for a while. But what if you can stick it to the man? What if you can get around systems and, and processes and tools for like a really big brand? Then that's a huge win. And you don't have to work, right? You can make five, ten, twenty thousand dollars a week doing, you know, refund fraud or other pieces. And you're absolutely right. Like, refund fraud is. It started out as just you know a few people here and there taking advantage of the system, and that's been happening for years. Ever since there yeah, was retail, sure. the difference is the scale. And same with you know account holdover and account mm-hmm. sharing and all those other things. You're absolutely right. The gray area is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we, as an industry, as well as with law enforcement too, really need to work on trying to nip it as close to the bud as we can because it is yeah. growing so incredible fast. And the systems that we rely on to identify fraud prior to providing the goods or the services that are being purchased prior to them being out of our hands, they're very much aligned to identifying payment fraud. And so I think we also kind of created this for ourselves, right? Like in some ways, because we have been good at that, but now we have to address, well, what next, right? Okay. They know that we can find them if they're using a stolen card or they're using stolen information or they're logging into someone's account from a totally different device and they don't know Mm -hmm. all of the different things about that account. I mean, Mm -hmm. provided hopefully they didn't have malware in there with the full session data, you know, and so they're finding ways around, right? I mean, fraudsters are very similar to toddlers and teenagers. They will find (laughs) a way to get what they want by going around and through and over and wherever the boundaries are. And I think that's why it's so important to have a different term about that. So what is what is the impact or why does, you know, we talked a little bit about why we need to have different terms because there's different solutions. You address it in different ways. There's different root causes. Right. So what are those for account holdover? or handover, sorry. (laughs) Holdover. (laughs) I just made that one up too. (laughs) I mean, I used to call it consensual account takeover, which I thought was kind of funny, but that's more like account sharing. Yeah. But yeah, that's where account sharing, but like when an account sharing just briefly is, you know, a lot of companies know this, especially streaming services and others where I share my password and my my username and password with my mom or my sister or my cousins or my friends. And that also causes an issue. But I think, Today, we'll really hone in on account holdover. So what are those root causes? You know, how can companies really address them or why? I think it's easy to see this. In some ways, in contrast to account takeover, because that's a much mm. more familiar
1: use case that you know yeah. the teams have had done from them. <laughs> the yes. years. and here you're talking about okay, protection at login. You know, both like absolutely, and does this match the the previous known history? Because you have an account that you have you have past behavior and behavior analytics in the same way. Anything on the device, anything that's going to pin this person as being that person. And then and then you're talking about okay, we want multi-factor uh, authentication to make sure that we're protecting the right people in the right ways. And you're and talking about education with like anti-phishing campaigns and so on, but. A count handover, none of those things are actually going to help you initially <laughs> because the person is complicit. You may well have the person involved in the beginning. And so here, this is like really more talking about that gray zone. This is more like policy, you know, where you've got, you need to be very clear about this is, these are our terms of service. We have customer education around what isn't, isn't okay. Maybe there are even customer consequences. I know like we're very uncomfortable talking about this, but I think there is an overdue conversation about, and certainly overdue from many of the fraud fighters perspective, but they generally speaking in, in online commonness about what the relationship with the customer should be. This is like one of the major trends that I see account handlers as playing into. So mm-hmm. there's this in how you view the consumer and how you can view the consumer. Because yes, the customer was always right. Right. Is that a customer that you want?
0: Right. And like, is that a customer that's creating more... Maybe not just fraud loss, but confusion and chaos internally. You know, is that something that you'll want to allow? Because especially, you know, we probably have all seen this throughout different types of social media. You know, if one person finds a way to get 50 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. for doing very little, they'll share it with their friends. Right. So it just keeps growing and growing and mushrooming. So you
1: had like a friendly food, which you've spoken on the podcast like so many mm -hmm. times recently about is just it's gone crazy It's not chargeback abuse chargeback no. all all. you've got like okay there's the refund claims broad, mm-hmm. and there's the promo abuse side and like those are becoming really very pressing problems and then on the other end of the spectrum you have VA yeah, fixed and assisted fraud or on the banking side APP or first push payment which I think you, you and Rob right, were talking about yeah and mm-hmm. there you have like well it really is the customer that they're being tricked and like this is really complicating your relationship with the customer that you have this bizarre scenario where there are companies who will be willing to to be generous on the friendly fraud side, but not on the victim offensive road side. You're like, no, no, where is this coming from? Of course, some of it is that completely unregulated, mm-hmm. even in the UK, where things are kind of jitting and that direction, banks are still kind of opting in to an extent, out to an extent and it is not clear at what pace this is going to move. And this really changes businesses' relationships with their customers. I see account handover as kind of in between those two. So like, it's often voluntary but equally the customer often doesn't know what they're doing and there is a sense in which the education is lacking, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they they are not fraud fighters, they don't have the same sensibilities and sufficient that you have and they are seeing these things and social media I think is a a massive Mm. Mm-hmm. Author, which is really feeding into this awesome look
0: yeah yeah because to your point I think earlier is like fraudsters aren't on the dark web I mean they some of them are but a lot of people just assume like oh it's not on the dark web it's on you mm-hmm. know Facebook or Twitter or you know, TikTok or Instagram they are right. not trying to hide no yeah a, yeah they're not being oh. taken down by the social media companies whether it's an ad or it's in a group or whatever mm-hmm. I mean and to be fair to those I mean they've got bigger priorities and bigger fish to fry unfortunately for us but like you know there's a lot of things that those content needs have to deal with so Yeah. So, you know, they have the best intentions. Like, so. Yeah.
1: But then equally on the consumer side, you can see this feeling that like it's on this platform where I feel comfortable. Like, you know, I yep. associate this platform with pictures People of my friends. Trust. Yes, and the reunions that I went to mm, last month. Yes. That, that is my close, intimate, safe association. If it's here, well, this platform is safe. They take care of things. They make sure it's okay. If it's here and it's blatant and there is no attempt to conceal anything, it must be okay. And like, like you just
0: cannot beat social media for the scale, right? Well, hundred percent. And I see that all the time, even with like safety websites and all that stuff. I mean, there's just so many things I hear people say, well, they were advertising on the social media platform. So I figured it was safe because I'm sure Mm -hmm. they, you know, somebody's looking at each one. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. Thinking as the person Mm -hmm. who was the risk analyst for one of the largest (laughs) social media companies, well, no, like almost 15 years ago now, no, they don't. They weren't even checking then. Are there more automated technology to be able to make sure that they're not advertising things that are illegal or very, very harmful to physical safety? Yes. But there's a this lot of very gray area. Like, yeah. you know,
1: you're you're looking at it and you're thinking, like, oh, okay, I like I know this trend. Right. I know that accounts are a thing. Right. You know, yes, it used to be all about checkout. Yes, it was all transactional. Mm-hmm. No, no, you know the there is this shit if you work anywhere in fraud and cybersecurity as well and and identity value. There is a massive emphasis on accounts now. It used to be about checkout and used about card facts, because you know, where the money is. But like we are all so much more sophisticated now on both sides. Like that's become far more challenging. And the fraud prevention side is so much better. So, okay, your numbers on checkout are great, you know, mm-hmm. compared to 10 years ago. Like, Yeah. Oh yeah. But now the attention shifted to accounts and they see vulnerabilities there. And that's on the micro level. It shifts from month to month, 20 years to year, but it's also this strong undercurrent. So you've shifted from where like checkout was the prize and everything else was just like supporting it. Mm-hmm. And now it's the entire customer journey is up the ground. Like that is, that's the prize. Anything you can get. <laughs> and if you can find something new. Like bonus points for you. And but, you know, that started happening, I don't know, maybe six years ago. It started like really kind of picking up speed. Yeah. And it's only the last couple of years that I think priorities within full prevention are also starting to shift in the perspective. Because like now, checkout obviously is always going to be like major way to record this to monetize. It's become that. It's a good way to monetize. It's just like one of the many opportunities. And I think it's sometimes challenging for fraud prices to make that change internally mm. because we know the over checkouts where the money is. So you know that's where that's where we have the but it's starting to be the case that people can see like, oh no. Uh, No, it costs, as we were saying before, account takeover costs the business so much. You're looking at long-time value, like, and you are because you want your business to be
0: long-term. And And trust is so important. And when your customer has their account hacked, that's what their term is going to be. When they have account takeover and they call you, who do they expect to have told them about that? Who do they expect? You know, well, Mm -hmm. you guys never told me. You never educated me. And I think that's a really important point because I've had so many conversations with fraud fighters in all kinds of business models recently whether it's banking or fintech or, you know, whether that's loans or that's BNPL or that all the things, e-commerce and marketplaces and all of them, where every one of them are having the hardest time with marketing, right? Like explaining, hey, we need to get this. Edu-. Because to your point, education is, you know, really that sunlight, right? It's going to give that disinfectant to be able to say, hey, you might see this. This is what they're trying to do. This is what could happen to you. And I think you have to make it very personal, right? Like this is what could happen if you sell your account. If that account is used with bad intent, or by bad actors, you're going to probably be put on the negative list. And what does that mean? Well, not just will yeah. your attributes like your name and your email, etc., be within our system as somebody who committed fraud because we our system doesn't know to differentiate if that was you or someone else, because you know, we've no way of knowing. There doesn't look at mm-hmm. all like it was compromised by somebody that you didn't know. You had to be involved. But then also there's the consortium aspect, right? Which you and I could yes. talk about so much with the negative, positive, and we have positive yeah. consortiums <laughs> and another <laughs> the good and the bad. And the pros, and like, I mean, oh my goodness, that's like a whole other four-hour podcast, probably. But there are good things, and there are not good things at all about those. But most companies have them, and so then you mark a customer really fast as fraud. Yeah, now mm-hmm. every provider, every merchant, every you know bank, whatever that uses the same system, knows. Ooh, that name, that email, etc. They committed fraud somewhere else. Now mm-hmm. they may not just auto cancel, but they have that piece of information and can take measures to protect themselves because they have to. That's one way of educating your customers. Like this is something bad that could happen to you. Yeah. You might be like, I can just open up another account. Well, maybe you mm. can't right or yeah, maybe you
1: can the first time but are you making yeah. a habit of this because really don't
0: well yeah and once it gets in the consortium it's almost like a ball of yarn that you're trying to like unwind and figure out well which word to, you know mark them as fraud where was it was it really you know all right.
1: the things you see that like with, with victims of identity theft
0: where like it's completely yeah. not their fault mm-hmm. at all
1: and it's so difficult it can take so many years to untangle this massive mess that happens so quickly without they even noticing it
0: right yeah and we talked about you know how to educate customers as far as, hey, if you do this, this is what we'll have to do. And this mm-hmm. is why we have this policy. And this is what all the right. Things. But trying to work with marketing to explain that is a challenge. I think one thing you can do is you can talk with your partners at customer service, you know, the leadership at customer service and ask, you know, how I'd love for you guys to even just if it's manually like with little check marks, like how many times do you get this phone call? Okay, well, how much does the average phone call cost us internally for operations purposes? You know, add that up. But then also explain to the marketing department, all of these people who called us, they thought it was okay because nobody told them it wasn't. And the fact that they're counting on us to tell them that it isn't. And we have to because of these dollar losses, because of the trust because of all these other things. And there are other ways, you know, touch marketing as well. And that's something that we will continue to provide content on as far as talking with other entities and, so. and I oh oh we will yeah whether <laughs> this particular partner I think they do and I'm excited to work with them but you know we're finalizing those things but um, but it really is more important than ever because you have
1: one of the reasons I find account handover fascinating is that mm. it really is a symptom of these changes that are happening in the industry like yeah. you know the, the, account, the shift to account and the horrible hugely scaled impact of social media and the this changing relationship with the customer, which is now very nuanced and complex and is not in many cases being fully thought through at this stage because it's changed so fast and because it's such an uncomfortable conversation. All of this is coming together and account handover, the spike in account handover is like the mm. symptom of all of this. And you're like, well, this isn't going to be the only thing. Things are changing. There are all these undercurrents. Some of them are very powerful. You need to be in conversation, in trusting, mm-hmm. respectful conversation with your customers to make sure you're on the right side of that relationship and giving them the information they need to make good decisions to ultimately make your life easier. You
0: <laughs> right. <a> word. <laughs> I know. I know. And I mean it's something that I have yet to meet anyone who's on the ground fighting fraud, who is I mean, I don't think our marketing department needs to help educate our consumers or like, you know, whatever else, or that's not important. Or I don't need to talk to finance or get them to understand why. They this is important it's usually like <laughs> how though because they're just like nope they don't nope, want to listen nope. to me yeah right but at this point with scams and, sp- and everything else it is mm-hmm. already the case for trust as a currency but it is going to be more important than ever for companies to differentiate themselves in the market whether that's a yeah. bank whether that's a financial institution whether that is a marketplace or an e-commerce etc everyone these days especially in the u.s but I think, you know, a majority of people internationally as well, if they do business online has stories of being victim of something or here or there or Mm -hmm. whatever. And if they come across a company that they're working with or that they choose to do business with, and that company is providing them with a hub where they can, you know, read frequently asked questions or that company is providing them with quick little videos of, Hey, you know, we do everything we can to protect you, but help us help you or like fun facts. Look what happened (laughs) here or there. And you don't have to say, Hey, this is happening opened at our company before, you don't have to do that. You can just say, hey, we learned that bad actors are doing this and this, and we highly recommend not to. I There's often... also, I'm, I'm going to call back to the, your ATO study. Right. There. there is
1: a financial impact of doing it yes. well or on the other hand, trying to pretend the problem doesn't exist.
0: Yes, you're absolutely right. And that's why I loved that case study so much mm. was because I mean, it was actually kind of an accidental A-B test for them because they just happened to have two different teams manage two different geographic areas and one decided to go kind of the way that writing. we've always gone right, mm-hmm. where we just do everything behind the scenes. We add more MFA, we add more layers of verification and balance validation and authentication and all those things behind the scenes. Sardine is now sponsoring Fraudology. And one of the reasons I've been so impressed by Sardine is their founder, Soups Ranjan. But after learning about the available options for online fraud detection, he became frustrated with the existing tools on the market. And as fellow fraud fighters, I think a lot of us know exactly the kind of tools he was frustrated with. The legacy fraud tools that just return a score or a signal or a yes, no, Maybe without your team getting to understand all of the aggregated data or the value attributed to each data point that goes into calculating that score or the vendor who won't give you your company's data for your own models and their own user interface was probably an afterthought. And let's be honest, Soup wasn't the only one who's been frustrated by the status quo in fraud technology. But not all of us are able to rage quit our jobs, recruit a few of the smartest risk engineers we've ever known, and go build a fraud platform that is truly built by the Fraud Squad for the Fraud Squad. A platform for KYC, AML, But then the other you know, side of the geography provided all that education and all of those resources and, hey, go look here and here. And, you know, this is what can happen. And, and we really want to protect you. And it wasn't just, hey, you need to sign up for two-factor authentication. It was the why. I don't yeah. see that enough. We need you to have a strong password. Here's why we need you to have a strong password. Right, botnets can do you know all these crazy things, and they can crack it pretty easily. No matter how much you think that your password is secure. And honestly, I say that as someone who like I didn't really how many accounts. I have. like when I started opening up accounts, like whether it was a streaming mm. or email, etc. Accounts didn't have any value. Passwords weren't that big of a deal. Mm. And so I've had to go back and be like, gosh, do I have an account with that company? Like, ooh, how bad's the password? I mean, in some cases, it's like I haven't worked with them. You You know, forever. But then other times it's like, I don't even think about the password. Right. But if if I don't use the password, I don't even know what the password is because it's in my password manager. But like, did I make sure that all of them are strong and secure within the password manager? Like all those things, I don't always think about them. So it's, you know, I mean, I try my very best. We all do. I feel
1: like like, I have a password manager so that I don't have to think about that anymore.
0: Yes, you you can make the password for me. Thank you. I'll use that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I have that. I I have that for (laughs) all of my, all accounts that have been created in the last you know, a few years, right? But you're right. But the, the accounts that sign. I, yeah, that I opened mm-hmm. years ago that I do still use and it's saved and I don't even realize that the password is mm-hmm. That's
1: another thing with account handover. Yeah. What do you think about the fact that, <sighs> oh, you just handed this over? Did you check whether you were sharing that password with other accounts that you have? Because they're totally going to check. That is the
0: other, yes, that is another piece that right. that. And me that, that's a ah. great
1: why. That That's a really good step to help consumers protect themselves. I saw this amazing thing. I wish I could remember the brand now. I saw this gorgeous thing recently in, in a marketing group that I'm in. It was a product list of ingredients that were in that, the product, but they also explained why they were necessary, like what the things were actually. Doing Doing that, and and, you know there are some chemicals in there that people don't necessarily know, and they look a bit weird. And then you Mm -hmm. have colon next to it, which has the thing that they do. The product like you know this makes it stronger this makes it travel better this makes like you know
0: oh yeah that's
1: amazing why doesn't everybody do that you know you basically have the same kind of role on the prevention side
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think it's very important that we shift and we need to bring communications and marketing departments forward for the companies who have services for consumers because, you know, they need to be more engaged and understand, hey, all of our competitors are getting hit with fraud right now and they're all getting hit with the same kind. We already have tried to differentiate on price. We've already tried to differentiate on product. We've already tried to differentiate on value and customer service, et cetera. Mm -hmm. What if we differentiate on trust? What if we differentiate on, hey, we're going to tell you the things to do to protect yourself on our site and others. We're going to loop that in and kind of leave it in as fabric brick and not have it be hitting you over the head. But we're going to continually message, you know, hey, don't forget that this is your account and it has value and here's what can happen if you hand it over to someone you have no control over what they do with it but it has your name on it it's like giving a stranger the keys to your car mm-hmm. and not knowing where they're going to drive what they're going to do with it if they're going to change the license plates i just thought of that <laughs> analogy but i think that's a darn good one for this because no <laughs> out of your control right and so yeah they like but If that person gets a ticket or they get in an accident, your name's on the car, right? It's you. It's your identity. It's you. And so finding ways to do that. And I think a lot of times we just, you know, we speak different languages than the communication team and then the marketing team. And so we're like, don't you understand why this is important? And they're like, no, I don't. I need to go sell this thing. But what if we say, hey, our competitors aren't doing this yet, but they're going to. I mean, they have to, right? But like, this is how we can stand out is, wow, there are... Companies that my husband will make big purchases on only because they have a really good customer service. They have really good, you know, mm. refund policies or, you know, whatever that is, right? They, they guarantee their work. Like that's how he decides to make like the larger furniture purchases or other things like that. Because he feels safe. Because he feels safe. Right. Yeah. It's the same and I know he's not alone, right? It's the same thing, just, yeah. I mean, obviously I know we're preaching to the choir and like I kind of did, I
1: think. In in that note though, like since, you know, we're talking to the choir anyway, the more you can find ways to think about how to put a monetary value on that, mm-hmm. the more mm-hmm. likely you'll get buy-in. And also yes. the better for you internally because people will see the, the positive impact that you're having. And also the broad view that you take on the business. You know, this isn't about saying no, this is about being able to, To Mm. let customers say yes to you as well as customers,
0: yeah, a hundred percent. I know we get to, but yeah, so yeah, I can't handle the Obviously, right? (laughs) Obviously, Sean and I feel very passionate about fraud fighters communicating with various areas of their company, and that is one of the first topics that we are are working on tackling and providing some great resources on. Hopefully, in the next few months or so. Yeah. While, but it'll be worth it because we'll work between the two of us. I think it'll be dang good. And we know a lot of people and you know we have a lot of resources and things, but you're right. Back to account holdover. Before we go, I kind of just want to talk about what are some symptoms of it that what if a merchant doesn't know or a bank doesn't know, right? Like what what are going to be the differences between like account holder holdover and account takeover? I mean, just knowing it, it's happening is good. Mm. What are the differentiators are the signals of them within a system?
1: So knowing it's happening is good. And I would say beyond that, if you can spare the resources, I know not everything can. But if you can, I think taking the time to look on social platforms to see if you are one of the yeah. businesses that is regularly being targeted with this kind of, I know that if you are concerned about this or interested, you can reach out to Sikari after the podcast and she will
0: put you in touch with somebody who can tell you where to look. They <laughs> try really, really, to, oh. really hard to reply to all messages and emails. But with the caveat that like there's one of me, but this I'm working it on is. it. Yeah. Yes. There are teams
1: who are able to put the resources to looking at that. And yes. I think that's one of the reasons that this this issue is becoming understood better. Like yeah. this we know where the flood's coming from, which is always nice. Actually,
0: I <laughs> mean yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I sure always knew about it on the fringes, but I actually really got you know, like, whoa, this is happening when a friend of mine saw a post on LinkedIn by someone else who mm. said a friend of mine was bragging that they sold their ex, oh my gosh their account no. on Facebook and they sent it out, they posted it to all their friends, like this is an like, easy way to make it, you know a tank full of gas or whatever. Well, so they posted it on Facebook, but the professional posted the screenshot on LinkedIn to be like, oh, I'm trying to explain Mm -hmm. to my friend. They lost a friendship over this, actually. Like, oh, no, you know, trying to explain to their friend in the comments, like why that wouldn't be a good thing. And the friend got very defensive. And that is a right. It's reasonable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that and they were probably embarrassed or like they were feeling called out, and so they're yeah, saying, and if yeah, that's, that's why it's true. better to educate before it happens than after, because then they're like, I didn't do anything wrong. This is a good thing, and they really thought, you know, yeah, to your point, they aren't in fraud. They don't know the difference. They're like, shoot, I can start another account. I don't care about the legacy or how many, you know, whatever I have. Right. Like or I don't ever use it or whatever. And my friend <laughs> who works for the merchant, merchant oh. X, that oh. was talked about in there was oh, like, God. this is oh, so bad, crap, oh. Oh, this is a tried record story yeah. oh, oh yeah and so there's they're just, you know, like oh my yeah. god like you know so yeah they didn't realize i mean they understood why it would happen because they do mm-hmm. you know they are a marketplace and they do provide more seamless transacting and and working with the company when mm-hmm. you have history, not just longevity, yep. but interactions and and purchases. And Which so makes it made sense. And yep. also resellers want this too, right? So it's not just bad actors or the fraud. True. There's also True. Resellers Some companies brokers are also not happy about selling like, to resellers. So like well, you exactly. that that's the why dynamic. they would do it, right? If if your yeah. company was good with resellers, they wouldn't bother paying someone else for their account. True. So yeah, so that's actually how it kind of became, oh, this is a more widespread spread thing when I, you know, learned that one yeah. fraud fighter's friend talked about it on Facebook. That fraud fighter brought it over to LinkedIn to go, ah, you know, my friend doesn't get it, but yeah. also heads up, this is happening. You and have to
1: imagine the extent it's already happening if your friend is seeing this from a friend on Facebook. <laughs> like It's yes. not a new thing. I think we, we mentioned it briefly in the book. 18 months ago, we were writing that. It wasn't a big thing. We mentioned it mostly to differentiate from account takeover. Right. This thing is like similar, but slightly different. And especially in the context of marketplaces and problematic or whatever. Right. But it, it's it's really growing. And you, know, you see that mostly through the research of inter-investing in in investigating
0: it. Yeah. And a lot of times you just kind of hold up your hands. You're like, well, I guess, I get, you know, but in addition to the, you know, education piece, are there things that you found, like, obviously a different device or things like that, but then mm-hmm. like, you know, is it a different device and they're changing the address if it's physical items or they're changing the email or are they smart and they're kind of, changing one thing at a time and, and creating a so, pattern that way.
1: Unfortunately, because there is no lack of accounts to try on, they have obviously realized Rial that no, if you do it piecemeal. Yep. I think there are actually one or two websites where it's possible to do it faster. And obviously they do trial and error because it is easier and like it's all about the ROI for them. Right. But generally speaking, it is more effective to go slowly and to do bit by bit, which is very difficult to pick up on because obviously good consumers do this too. I think if you have all of the, there's the device changing and the IP and the behavioral profile is different. And at the same time, there is a slow path and a change in other areas as well. You're like, yeah, we're not, now we have the new address. Now we're adding a new payment method and so on. Then I think, you know, you do want your flags to be coming up. I think this is something which it's been easier teams to kind of flag in banking because, well, partly because that's the loss at the other end if they get it wrong is substantial potentially, right but the also because they're more used to seeing things playing out over a long period of time. Mm. Yeah, you know, fraudsters are just much more willing to do that in the financial context because the payoff is worth
0: it. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and synthetic fraud, you know, you see it playing out over five years until it busts out sometimes, you know, and for sure they are already aging accounts to make it, you know, six and seven when, when
0: five becomes too short. But they can have that patience because they're huge scores right that's right that's right right right. yeah they can kind of play it a long game Exactly. the bust out because it's worth it and yeah. the longer they play it out the harder it is to mm-hmm. identify that's right. right
1: and I think e-commerce and marketplaces are not as used to thinking like that because typically mm. it's more of a kind a of plan. getting it out grab what you can but the, the reason it's like that is that normally you are using somebody's stolen credit card and they are going to notice that you have yeah. to make, you have to get it you know make where the sunshine because the funds going to go in and with account handover that
0: is not the case that's not what's happening right. the- not What's there really isn't a consumer victim. But, right. And what, I mean, maybe if they use a stored payment method or something like that, but they probably won't. I yeah, mean, but that, you can do that over, a, you know, over a while.
1: You right? can do You're that. You're not exactly. in a rush. You can add that, that can be the last thing that you add. And because there is unfortunately seems no shortage of accounts that people are willing to hand mm-hmm. over, they can operate at scale. And then it does become financially sensible to be able to play this out over a longer period of time. You've got multiples going on. You can do it and you can afford to do it. It becomes a practical business proposition. I told you, like, it's, it's, it's so simple. It really, it really is this elegant
0: routine, but it's horrible. Yeah. Like the, the impact it can have potentially is really awful. Right. Yeah. And I mean, the challenge is some of the simplest ways of steering from companies, especially online. Are the hardest to identify because they yes. look almost identical to yeah. a good user. I mean, man, when I moved from one side of the state to the other, like I mm. had oh, everything set <laughs> up with multi-factor authentication, <laughs> and at the end, I was like, "Oh my gosh, stop." You I know, I had fatigue. Myself. It wasn't the same as MFA bombing, but it was like <laughs> or fatigue or this, but it but was. But there's a reason that that worked. There is a limit. Like people are just like, oh, yes, no, just make it go away. I, I understood yeah. why it was happening. But it was still frustrating, right? But that Mm -hmm. was a good use case of why my device, I mean, I still had the same computer and everything else, but I was on a different network. I was on a different everything, Mm -hmm. different IP, new updating my address, updating, but my phone number and my email didn't change. But like other things, right? And I'm thinking about that all the time from a consumer slash fraud perspective, but most consumers aren't And knowing that it's long term and knowing that we're not looking for these short changes, I think, you know, you really started off the conversation well talking about some of Raj's research that he did in his previous role around Mm -hmm. like how slow the play is for account takeovers and how it often is three different groups, right? There's one that's verifying does password work there's mm-hmm. one that's like you know assessing the situation or one that's getting the data the other that's like assessing huh. situation right, right right yeah yeah so first step is getting the yeah. data. then second step is like using the data and assessing the value from stored value to legacy to you know the mm-hmm. bin on the card on file etc and then oftentimes it's sold again and then lastly it's the compromise that can happen over months so we can't and that's challenging though, right? Because good customers also do mm-hmm. that. I mean, I did it quickly. Other people do it slowly too. So, but knowing that, being aware, having, you know, speaking with your providers, and making sure they've seen this and asking them how you mm-hmm. can use their specific tool to be able to identify this. And then I really agree that especially it's similar with all the victim assisted scams like authorized push payments mm-hmm. and other things, is we have to start educating our customers and the consumers. Yeah. We can't keep this behind the scenes anymore because they are the weakest link now. Sorry, now I really, in your British accent, I really want to hear you say you are the weakest link. <laughs> I. sorry, that's like I a think, late 90s reference. So,
1: all right, I, I will try and get this in. I think, <laughs> I actually think there are times, especially when this is slightly, let's say an evolving trend, not a completely mm-hmm. new trend, but let's say an evolving trend like this. I think you do have cases where the weakest link can be the lack of communication between a fraud team and the technology they're using, <sighs> which is ridiculous uh, because they this to help you, and they want to usually. I mean, you know, I, I know there are exceptions. but I know, you know, like not every company uh, is as on top of staying on top of the trends as they should be. Right. But most of them are. Oh, they want to help if you come to them with a trend and you say, "I'm, I'm experiencing. I've seen this. Mm-hmm. I, I heard about it. I looked into it. I see we're having this. I, what can you do for me? If they can't do something now, they will try and get back to you soon with something they can do. Mm. Like that communication is open.
0: For and you if to they you. don't, maybe and it's they work for you, straight. right, right. But most of them will. You're absolutely right. But like they, they work for you. They want to help you. Ask. and And I've seen it happen many times when a merchant goes to their provider and says, hey, I really need a solution for X. And I imagine because we're having this problem and it's, you know, really growing fast. And imagine other of your merchants are having it too. Maybe you should check around and ask. And then the provider's like, hey, can you help us, you know, spec out this product? Like, what does it look like? Hmm. And then then maybe you get a nice
1: discount for a time. Yeah, hopefully, yes. They work for you. Negotiate
0: in most in most cases yes that is the case and it should be because yeah you're getting free labor from someone who's going to help you be able to market and resell a new product or you know maybe it's an additional layer on your current product mm-hmm. for companies that mm-hmm. are having that problem and because there is so much data available like what are the data what is the really especially that like at the micro level right like just the metadata yeah where where are we finding this what does it look like how can we compare mm-hmm. it and then how can we identify it going forward so
1: like, Both you know, if, you're, if, if you're in a situation where you do share a lot of your data with your provider, then you can come to them and ask what's happening. You know, they can assist you in working hmm. out if you are, in fact, having a problem or not. Like they are working right. with this, this 10,000 foot view because they see many, many, many merchants. Yeah. If there's a problem and you tell them to look for it, they ought to go
0: and check. Right. And a lot of them have analysts and and subject matter experts and others that can really dive into the into the details for sure
1: sure and like you will know with with your people if you like if you are able to to trust the analysts you work with and if you have a strong relationship if you do and you think they're good awesome they'll be yeah. interested too right they're, they're, they are just as geeky as you are about fraud <laughs> they will work the help and then i ha- i know like i say this like almost every conversation we have then go back and talk to other people in the community because yeah. like probably they've seen it maybe they've seen something that works if they work with a similar provider maybe they've already found something that's helpful if not maybe their internal systems are similar to yours or the processes are similar, maybe they have suggestions. At the very least, you can confirm that it's not you, and you're not crazy, and this is for real, which is validating, if nothing else.
0: It is. Yeah. I often say, whether it's for collaboration or commiseration, right? Yes, Both exactly. are good for the soul. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Both are equally important. (laughs) And you and I have been so lucky to be able to be a part of those merchant-only conversations and Mm -hmm. really be trusted to be in the room when we aren't technically on the ground. And we understand the pain points, right? And we're able to get, okay, it's not just as easy as identifying a solution. Now we have to go educate the rest of our company on why that solution is important and what's it going to do and all those other pieces it's
1: not easy you know i come out of all those discussions feeling these are such unsung heroes in Uh, like they do not get the credit they deserve
0: i couldn't agree more i really i think that's why i'm so empathetic to them and why i mean because a i've been in their shoes but b like yeah it sucks to you know be the thankless job and work so hard and be so dedicated and this is a lot more than just a job to people. It's a calling. It's a purpose. It's a passion. And so, but it is still, whether it's a passion and a purpose or not, it still feels nice to hear like, wow, or at least, oh, I'm not the only one, right? And that was the value that collaborating with my peers when I was a merchant had for me. And it's the value that I try to pass on to any company that I get to work with. So, um, and I know that you have the same shared passion. And so, it's been so fun to get to talk about some pretty big ideas that we have to work on together in the future. And we need to wrap up this conversation because it went, I'm not surprised, it went <laughs> a half an hour longer than we expected. And you know, we talked way before, so poor yeah, Shoshana.
1: can it, right? He, he's a genius. Yes, but that's
0: past, <laughs> past 11 p.m. in Israel right now. And it's my lunch time, which is, you know, go figure. But it's funny, it's usually right before you go to bed or before I go to bed, we're able to WhatsApp mm-hmm. with each other a little bit for a while. So <laughs> We have these windows. We do. Yes. And we know them We well. already stretched it this time. Yeah, we did. And yeah, please thank your husband for injuries he's sleep now, but like for not coming in and, and saying, hey, what's wrong? But he's just the sweetest too. But with all of that, Shoshana, I'm just so grateful that you shared this. You know, it was something that I could talk about on my own, but you bring so much more complexity to it and, and several different things that I hadn't thought of before. And this is a... I love this stuff. It's so fun. This
1: industry is so fun. I mean, it's so bad.
0: Like, obviously, it it would be much better if it (laughs) didn't happen, and there wasn't, but it's so fun. It really is the never, the impossible puzzle to solve, but we can win the battles within those puzzles. We can have these short-term wins. And so we're like, woohoo, and you know, on to I the guess. next. Right, right. But one of the stepping stones to even being able to solve or stop or inconvenience any of these bad actors is to truly understand what's the, what's the impetus, what's the goal, what's the, all of the mm. things. So thank you so much for coming and sharing that. Thank I, you so much. Oh my gosh, it was you're really so fun. welcome. I always enjoy speaking with you. And I... I have no doubt that the phonology audience will appreciate you know, the topic of the conversation and then probably go look on within their systems and, and maybe throughout social media and others to try to find this more, see if it's happening on their sites yet. But also, I'm sure that they'll reach out to you as well. And as always, I will add, like with every guest I have, I will add a link to your LinkedIn profile in the show description notes. Amazing. <laughs> this has been really fun. Yes. Likewise. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon.